Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing, so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. And I'm quite certain that at least some of the people involved with the project of building that bridge cared about the future people that would be driving across it. And that's me. They actually cared about me. They didn't know me, but they did something for me because they wanted my life to be better. And they did that sincerely. It might've been the engineers. It might've been the people with the big money. It might've been the workers. There were some of those people who actually were excited to do this for me. And so I'm better if I allow myself to receive that love and to go, yeah, that's cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks for doing that. And I know you've been dead a long time, but that was cool. And especially, I think that's important when we're involved with projects like that, that are far reaching, that are out there. And the more that we're connected to the style of love that we're giving people, we can look and appreciate that too. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast today as my guest, business and leadership coach Craig Lomax. Prior to Craig's career as a coach, he co-founded and directed Rock and Water, an adventure camp in California, which he ran for 30 years. Craig now coaches high performers who want the results with less anxiety and more life. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's a short audio book that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel process. You see, we want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. In our conversation today, Craig talked to me about the core of great leadership, which is really caring about the people you are serving. We talked about why comparison to others may lead to insecurity or arrogance. And we discussed why celebrating small wins is important to our health and well-being, to growing and to developing. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Craig Lomax. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from Northern California, near Lake Tahoe, I believe, lovely part of the world. In the USA, of course, Craig Lomax, who's a business and leadership coach, as well as co-founder and CEO of Rock and Water Adventure Company. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Craig. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Oh, thank you, Jorgen. I'm super excited to be here. Looking forward to talking to you again. Yeah, me too. Now, Alice Dudley-Cash, who was our guest on episode 452, she introduced us and suggested that we have a conversation. So hello to Alice. Yeah, that's great. Now, you coach mostly small business leaders through their professional and personal challenges and goals, and you base that on your lifelong experience of running your own business and also the coaching that you've done in that rock and water business. So I'm really excited to learn more about that journey and how you got to where you are today. 
Let's start off with the impact you're making in the world today. What's the impact you're making, Craig? I think it's bringing what I learned from 30 years of developing leaders and running business. There's a really a key principle that I think that business has been missing out on and a lot of leaders. If you talk about it, they'd say, yes, uh, of course, but it's a principle that when you really start digging into it, people, it starts changing their lives. It starts changing how they work with each other. It starts changing their businesses. And I think it's overlooked. And that's the principle of caring about, Hmm. caring about the people that you're serving, caring about the people that you're working for. And again, people say that goes without saying, and yeah, actually, it really doesn't go without saying. You, you do need to say it, and you need to talk about it and think about it. And what does it mean to care about them in this particular moment, in this situation? I think the implications of that are pretty pretty big. Even though back when I was working at Rock and Water, we ran 100,000 people through our programs. Lots of good things happened. Really pleased with that time. Uh, and now I work with one individual at a time or at least one individual in one hour and a handful of individuals. And I'm really finding a lot of fulfillment in that because when we start coaching through the principles of business and leadership, they makes a big difference in their lives and the people that they're taking care of. You mentioned that it's often forgotten that caring is such a key part of leadership and of service. Um, Can you give us some common examples of where that is forgotten and how can people turn that around or remind first of all remind themselves that hey maybe we've lost our lost the plot a little bit here from that caring philosophy and how can we turn it around yeah you know i think a lot of people i and rightly so have really gotten their, Simon Sinek really got their attention by writing the book Why and talking about those things. And they said, yeah, it's all about the why. And I agree. I'm Honestly, I'm a little bit more narrow-minded than maybe I think a lot of thought leaders are. And so maybe I'm flawed in that, or maybe I'm on the right track. I believe that we're all really designed either by our God or by evolution in a way that makes us people who really are designed to care about others. And so when we do that, it opens up our best gifts, the best parts of us. It opens up opportunities for fulfillment that we wouldn't know. And it leads us to very profitable in every way situations. I guess you asked me for specifics, right? Yeah. And examples of that. <laughs> and yeah, so I think that I'm thinking of a, a vice president of a Fortune 500 company that I work with, and she's amazing, super creative, and was doing a good job in leadership. And we started we started working together, and she was already halfway there to some of these concepts that I just shared with you. And all you have to do is open the door for people, and it starts to open up their heart and mind to the emphasis on the people that they work with and the people that they're all serving together. And uh, she just came out in her creativity and started leading in different ways that are really unique to her very profit-minded company. And her very profit-minded focused company said, wow, you're doing amazing things that we haven't really seen in our company before. How did you keep this team together during COVID? How did you, how were they so productive, even though they knew they were headed toward layoffs and they were still producing really well and being a good team? And it was because she really cared about them as individuals, checked in with them on a completely different level, spent time with them talking about their personal lives in a, in a completely unique way to what is commonly American corporate. And uh, and that's a game changer. And it's interesting, you chose an example there of an internal leadership situation. What you said earlier about people have lost or forgotten of this caring business, I think of some of the bad experiences I've had with particularly service centers, for example, where it often feels as a customer of those that they're just making their quota, they're just going through their scripted spiel and not listening to what my issue is that I need dealt with, let alone thinking about how that might make me feel, not just 
about them, but about me as a person as well and the implications yeah. that has on my relationship with that business or that product. It's interesting you talked about leadership internally and I think that sets the tone, doesn't it, how senior leaders care about their own people because they then transfer that philosophy of caring onto the people that they deal with in business outside the company. Yeah, I think that people who are really good at what they do, a lot of times a good portion of us are task-oriented people. Mm -hmm. We've got our tasks lined up, we've got our goals, agendas, and we're just like, we're banging away at our day. I feel like in, in my development of different leaders I've worked with, people either lean one way or another typically. They're either more task-oriented or they're more relational-oriented. Mm. And they either see the world as task-oriented and getting things done. They see the things, the objects and the things that need to happen. Those things are in color and the people are in black and white. Or they see the world, all the stuff is in black and white and all the people are in color. <laughs> yeah. And so we, everyone needs to install a switch where they can switch back and forth between color and black, what's in color and what's in black mm. and white at different times. And I think for those of us who are really good at getting things done, the people that I work with, they've done amazing things in their life. They've flown through the tasks and the objectives and the goals and they just, they keep on knocking stuff out. And some of them have done that right over the top of other people. They've just moved through life like that. And to be really successful and to have the most fulfillment and to be a participant in this world and to make our companies great, we need to be able to flip that switch and stop and say, wait a second, I got to turn off the tasks for a second, make them black and white. Oh, now I see the people. There's a person in front of me. And like when you're having that experience, that person, probably the person that you're dealing with that's making you feel unheard and under, you know, not understood is someone who's probably wrapped up in the task. Like, mm -hmm. oh, they're worried about the money involved or they're worried about a dozen different things, that how they need to get to the next customer or who knows what they're thinking. And if they could just pause and see you in color in front of them, go, wow, this is a person here. And I need to just pause for a moment and understand that and listen and hear and understand this person and help them feel understood. Man, all of a sudden, the, their problems, if they had problems with you, yeah. they're probably going to go away. That's right. They're, you know. And the counterintuitive kind of part of that is feeling heard and feeling understood for me is going to shift my perspective and I'm going to be a lot more forgiving. If they've screwed up, for example, I'm going to be a lot more forgiving of that because all of a sudden I'm yeah. talking to this person who really cares about me. And yeah, yeah it just changes the game. Yeah, it, it does. And in, in so many ways that we don't even estimate, it's hard to imagine. For example, I mentioned our business before we sold it. We took a hundred thousand people out on and on activities from a few days to a week long adventures. They almost all of them encountered opportunities to get hurt really seriously. And there are a few people who did get hurt seriously. Not very many. There were enough people that got hurt in some ways that you would expect that someone would have sued us for something. We never had a claim on our insurance. And I think one that may have been miraculous. And so I won't write that possibility off. That other one of the other main factors, I think, is what you're talking about exactly there that forgiveness that grace because all of my staff were there because they cared about the people that were in their boats or that they were taking rock climbing or in some canyon or on a backpacking trip they actually cared about those individuals mm. and they represented our company that way so that those individuals felt like that like rock and water cared for them and so when they got home and they had a hospital bill or whatever, or they, whatever the experience they had, or they, something didn't work out the way they planned. They didn't get upset about it. They knew that we cared about them and they knew that we were doing our best for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great example. And one of the, I'm sure one of the lessons you took away from the experience there with rock and water. So you mentioned you sold the business and you've moved into coaching full time now. What are some of the other big lessons you took out of? 
that business, running that business, taking the people on mm. those adventure trips and then transitioning into leadership coaching? Yeah, man, we could talk for a long time <laughs> about what I learned in 30 years. I think one of the biggest lessons, and I hate to, we can move off this topic, but it, it really is one of my biggest lessons. It is connected to what we've been talking about is that when I'm entering in to a difficult conversation, I've got someone who's upset with me and or I'm really upset with them or this is going to be a situation where this person's probably going to get fired or I've got a, even a government organization that's coming down on me hard for something. I've got to figure out how to work with them. It's when the tension is there, if I can enter into that conversation actually caring about the person that I'm going to meet with. Mm. And pause for a moment. For me, I say a prayer. What, how, whatever your way of doing it is mm. to say, okay, what is it that I, how is it that I can be a positive, this, is, this conversation can be helpful to this person? What can I do for them? What, how can I help them? What needs to be said to them? And sometimes when we get in that conversation, that means really hard truths. It doesn't mean I don't say things that are controversial or con that I run from conflict. Mm. But somehow, even though I don't say, oh, I really care about you, they get it. Mm. They get that I care about them. And the conversation goes crazy good. And I walk away from those with this high rate of success in things going well for both of us. Even sometimes when I'm firing the person, they're standing up, they're yeah, giving yeah. me a hug, they're crying. They're like, thank wow. you. <laughs> Even though they're really, they're sad that they got fired, but they know that I cared about them when I did it. Yeah, yeah, that's a big lesson. And I'm just trying to think of who said this. It's a quote that I often think of, and it's, the, something about that moment between the trigger and the response and take and actually expanding that moment so in your case pausing and saying a prayer so having that pause to simply stop and perhaps consciously choose the reaction to whatever the trigger might be which in the example you've got given is how can i make this positive and having that caring philosophy comes out rather than, oh, I'm really angry, so I'm going to just lash out. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I think you're referring to is something, I think out of the 1950s, psychology, they figured out that you have a stimulus mm. and then you have a response. And we've got the, we've got in between there, we've got emotions that were stimulated by a thought. And so you have the thing that happens, then you have thoughts about that thing. And then you have emotions and those emotions lead you into actions. And so what you're talking about is pausing at thoughts. Mm. And, and it's actually something innovative that I've done within coaching is looking at that model. And for me, I looked at that and I said, there seems like there's something missing here. There's more to thoughts than there's more to emotions than just thought. And, uh, and when I just paused and looked at it, I thought, this feels more like fire to me. Fire is made up of three elements. You've got, you, you, maybe you've even seen the little triangle mm. icon, right? That's got heat, fuel, oxygen, those three different elements. And then fire, there's a picture of fire in the middle. And you've got those, that's the image of fire. You take one of those elements out, yep. you don't have fire anymore. Mm. And so <clears throat> similarly, you have the situation, you have the facts, you, the, what's happening, have thoughts about those facts, but you have a motive that has driven those thoughts. And that, that motive is really important. It's almost, if you put them around the triangle, it's almost like the motive comes up to the top of the triangle, looks over, sees the facts, sees the actual situation, and puts out a thought. And then that thought breeds an emotion. Hmm. And the emotion is what I put in the center of the triangle. And that is what leads to the, the actions yeah. and the outcomes. So uh, you're, I'm sorry to break that down into so much detail. I do it because it's exactly what you're saying. What I hear when you said that is, yeah, we need to stop and check our motives. Hmm. What's our motive going into this? Maybe it's a yeah. hard conversation. Maybe it's vacation with our family. Hmm. What's my real motivation here? What do I, what's, what do I really want? And that's going to help me deal with when my significant other snaps at me in a vacation. Hmm. Oh, if I've got a motive. That, that I'm conscious of my motive for this, then I maybe respond to that more appropriately than if I'm just, 
that I'm just there and I'm just going through the motions. Yeah, and I think there's even a deeper level to that, and that's the values that we have, which were formed ages ago. Values change over time, but most of our core values are formed when we're very young, and I think Mm. they they inform some of those motivations in some situations. So I know you talk about value-based leadership. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think it is really great to be, to understand what our core values are, right? As individuals and as organizations Mm. and just as important on both levels and yeah, I'm not, it's pretty interesting to think where those come from and when the, how those are established, how our beliefs, our belief systems shape those. But I think that, again, I think that sometimes I always lean into that caring is a big part of, of that leadership. So, yeah. All right. Well, do you have some examples of particularly from, because I'm fascinated, I imagine that when you started the rock and water business and you're quite young and you and your co-founders were excited to do stuff that you really enjoyed and take other people on and use the adventuring, the excursions, the experiences to train people in not just how to behave in that environment, but also to train them in leadership and teamwork. So what drove you to make that transformation and then how did you build that into a such a successful long-term business. Yeah, I think in our situation, it was the motive was getting students out in nature and having them experience that. Back in 19, we started in 89. So it was a kind of a different world and students were different there, but it was still a situation where we saw a need to get people out. Youth groups coming that wanted to build friendships and relationships that way. And so those were really some of the motivating factors for getting the organization going and doing that kind of thing. I think that as far as developing the leaders that led them, One of the things that I saw that what I learned over time that was really important was to deal with, um, to deal with this subliminal thing that happens in our head called comparison. And it's interesting to see that our brains are just wired for comparison. That's how we survive. We know the difference between hot and cold and what's far and what's close and what's going fast and what's going slower, what's sharper, what's duller, what's heavier. We're always comparing different things in our world and our brain needs to be working on those things. The problem is when we go into social comparison, those things are okay too, but there's a line that we cross that creates real problems, especially for leaders. It's when we cross the line of measuring our value based on the performance of somebody else. So when we compare ourselves and to somebody else, that could lead to wisdom. That could lead to new understandings. I can say, wow, maybe I wish I had yellow. Looking at you and comparing my (laughs) headphone to yours, I'm like, those yellow things are cool. I bet that's going to be the next trend. And I could say, I want to look as good as you. I'm going to go get some yellow headsets. And so I've got wisdom there, no problem. But if I look at you and I'm comparing, if I'm feeling my value Mm. based on your headphones to mine, then I'm either going to end up in one of two places. I'm either going to fail in my comparison and I'm going to feel insecure or I'm going to win and I'm going to be proud. Mm. I'm going to be arrogant. I'm going to feel better at myself. And, but neither one of those helps me understand that neither one of those situations causes, causes me to clearly see that it came from comparison and measuring my value based on how you performed. I just get the feeling. I just, I either feel good or bad. And for the wrong reason, neither. So that was really important in developing leaders is helping them understand that voice that's constantly going on in their head. And because what it does is even if they're leading for all the right reasons, they get to a place where they turn, they compare themselves and they end up performing really poorly, Mm. either because they're insecure 
or they're proud. And when you're dealing with young people who want to be river guides and, and rock climbing guides, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity to feel good about yourself because you're so much more competent than the people you're leading. You seem and feel smarter. You've got a better tan. You can bounce around on the rocks and you can do all these things that the people that you're taking care of can't. You're the hero. And in order to really connect and be on the same level with people, you need to get rid of that pride and that insecurities that, that come as a result. So, so that's uh, that was really key to our leadership development program mm. was focusing on that. So the first step in in overcoming that, I guess, to to use that term, is being aware when that's happening. So being aware when oh I'm comparing myself right now and why am I doing that? Yeah. So yeah. Do you have some tips? for people, how they can develop a little bit more self-awareness around that when suddenly they're comparing at a social level, comparing themselves to others? Yeah, you're spot on. You're spot on, Jurgen. That that pausing when you have an emotion, mm -hmm. when you're feeling and going, okay, we're, I want to track this emotion back. I want to track this back to where it came from. Where did this feeling come from? I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm walking with a nice step. I got the strut going on and going out to the car and I'm getting going. It's, why is that? Why am I feeling good today? And it might be for great reasons. There might be really good reasons you're feeling good. Or it might be because you, your kid just made a note. Oh, dad, you're so much better than one-so's dad. He does this and you do this. You're the coolest dad ever. Well, I'm feeling good. I'm walking out the door thinking I'm the coolest dad ever. I'm cooler than the other dads in the neighborhood. All right. And it's, that needs to be identified. That's not why I want to feel good. And I want to feel good maybe because my kid loves me mm. for who I am. Not because I, and not because I'm better than anybody else, but just because of who I am to him. So those are, you're right. Putting on pause, checking that feeling. On the other end, anger, sad, those negative emotions, just that feeling, sometimes our physical feeling, right? That feeling in your gut, the brain in your gut is going like, I don't feel good. This isn't right. And it's, I'm standing at a copy machine. I've got this feeling inside. What is that? I don't like it. Where did it come from? And thinking back, go, oh, I can... I'm thinking about the guy who was standing in front of this copy machine yesterday, trying to do the same job I am trying to do now, except he just stepped up for the first time, figured out, got the, did this booklet, whatever thing, and walked away from the copy machine, and it was you know, all figured out, and I've been here for half an hour, and I still can't get it. I'm blowing paper. It's upside down. It won't work. And that guy's smarter than I am. He figured it out, and that's why I'm feeling stupid right now. I'm feeling, and I don't feel good inside because... That's about the fourth time that guy has proven to be smarter than me. Yeah, and then, and in that example, you kind of lose the opportunity there for just swallowing your pride, going up to the guy and say, "Hey, I just can't figure this thing out. How do you do it?" And learning, <laughs> right. learning his trick, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And so many things happen that are productive and important to our organizations when we can separate ourselves from our egos mm. and we can and really the, the trick to that yeah i think you're right one is putting pause on and saying okay i gotta i need to be aware of this I need to be conscious of it but the truth of the matter is it doesn't that doesn't really actually lead to the change that needs to happen i don't think i think it's really hard for us to not do what we're driven to do yeah. don't do it don't do it don't do it don't do it it's, we're still we just end up doing this stuff the way to get away from the things that we don't want to do is to do something else and the something else in this case is caring about other people i sound like a broken record mm. but i think it's the record that needs to be played we need to move into caring about people and when we care about them we're compassionate about, we're comp compassionate for them because they have needs. And in the, on this planet, man, everybody we care about has a need. So we can have a reason to be compassionate. And if we act on that, we go into service. And if we actually go into service, we're going to start picking up responsibilities. We're going to start picking up skills. We're going to start all kinds of things. We're going to be picking up relationships and reputations. And we're going to be going and go, gaining more and more responsibilities. And after that happens, or as that happens, we can look back and go, wow, 
I'm making a difference. I'm helping other people. I'm helping the people that I cared about and I'm meeting the need that I saw. I'm, we have this feeling of relevancy that's fulfillment and meaning in our lives, which I think is, and scientists, psych, psychologists have identified as one, an important part of well-being. And in the process that I just described, aligns with some of the basic facets that the basic elements of things that you would prescribe to yourself for for well-being it leads to positive emotions engagement relationships and uh meaning and achievement. Those are independent things that have been proven to move the needle on our well-being. When we care about others and go into action, those things naturally start happening. And we end up being influencers with in those kind of situations. Influencers over something. Mm -hmm. It may be something small, and that's okay. It doesn't have you don't have to be the yeah. president of the United States. The I guess the paradox there is if we have that service mindset if we're caring about the people we work with, the people who work for us, our client, it increases that influence, as you said, whereas some people come from it in the opposite way of, I've got to beat this door down and have more influence. And they kind of, I guess it comes back to what you were talking about earlier, the task orientation, and they wonder why yeah. they don't grow their influence because they don't, yeah. they're not showing that they care about people. Maybe they don't care about people, but they're certainly not showing it. And I'm just smiling because you used the word paradox. And I think you're really quick. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff and I'm impressed you're going to how quickly you're picking up on these things. The book that I'm in the process of writing is called The Paradox of Caring because that's what it is strange. We're all wanting to be, we all want joy. We all want leadership. We all want these things. And the path to getting there is counterintuitive. It's actually caring about other people, mm. letting go of our own agenda, letting go of our selfish agenda to, to have to be all these other things. Those things can be in our peripheral. We can understand that, yeah, these are things I'd like to have. But as we care about other people, those things usually just fall in line pretty easily. One of the other things, and I think there's two aspects, is one aspect is setting boundaries. The other aspect is being compassionate and forgiving of ourselves, particularly when we get into this situation of, I'm going to beat myself up for that. And that's the idea of self-care. So tell us a little bit more about how can we bring self-care into that equation in a way that it doesn't detract from caring for others, it enhances it. So put on your oxygen mask first before you help others. Absolutely. A good point because I think it is a good rebuttal to this in some ways. Wait, hold on. You can't just always be caring about other people. You have to care for yourself and it's absolutely true. You do. And I think that for those of us, most of us don't have a problem taking care of our or looking to our own needs and our own wants. I think a good portion of us are going to lean that way pretty heavily. So it's not a hard it's not hard to find the motivation to take care of ourselves. There are a portion of us that are so driven. We love to please people. We love to do things for other people that we get lost in it. And we can be, we can totally forget about ourselves to the extent to that we're working, we're workaholic mm -hmm. and we're not feeding ourselves correctly. We're not sleeping. We're not exercising. We're not doing those things. And so for those people, it's good to say, you know what? you're not going to be the best for your team. You're not going to be the best for your organization. You're not going to be the best for those people that you care about if you don't learn how to have boundaries and start disciplining yourself to, to being really healthy. Right now, our the United States anyway, and I, many places around the world, are there's a lot of people going through a mental health crisis. Mm. And, and there's a lot of turmoil, a lot of confusion, a lot of things happening in people's lives right now. And I just... And, out of the last six conversations I've had with clients, three of them have been about other people in their lives who are facing um, thoughts of suicide. Mm. And that's, it's very prep right now. It's good to think of the basics and you've mentioned some of them. And I think maybe we can just go over them. I did mm. real briefly, but the three that come before those five that I talked about are eating correctly, mm. sleeping, not too much, not too little, 
and doing some exercise. If you're feeling unhealthy, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling down, make sure those three are in place. Those are those do a really good job. And then moving into Martin Seligman in positive psychology says calls PERMA, positive emotion, engagement, like getting yourself into relationships, both investing in people and letting them care for you and receiving mm -hmm. that love and be, having meaning, having purpose, doing things that are outside of yourself, doing things for others, and just making the bed or making the meal and checking it off, doing it can be simple. They can, all those mm -hmm. elements are independent prescriptions you can give yourself each day. They don't need to be connected to each other. Achievement can be simple. I'm going to throw three wadded up pieces of paper into the crash can. Yeah. One, two, okay. Yeah, I did it. There's yeah. no meaning. There's no value in that. Perhaps maybe it was fun. Mm -hmm. Maybe you had some entertainment out of it as well. Positive emotion happened to slip in there as well. Mm -hmm. Even something as trivial as your example is an important part because it balances out that oh I, um, I messed this thing up and so I'm going to beat myself up all day for that and in that I forget about all the other things that I did in messing that up for example I've learned mm. what doesn't work <laughs> so the ability to celebrate little successes and also re failures in a way that what's positive in that I think is a really important part as well yeah, for sure. Celebrating small wins is perhaps one of the most important things about about staying healthy, but it's also about growing and developing. If we're not celebrating the small wins, we're not really pro we're probably not changing for the better. We need to be rewarding ourselves for the things that we're doing that are good or that we're even that have some element of good. Well, I failed at that. That was ballsy. I did it, right? I stepped up and I tried. At least I did that. And letting ourselves go ahead and feel good about that so we can move on to the next thing and make that happen. Hmm. So I think that's, that's really key. I think it's key in developing leaders. I think it's key in developing our organizations. And it, it speaks to a willingness the way that you said that you're going to, I liked it because it, the feeling was it's okay to fail. Mm. We step in. It's all right. I'm going to find something positive. This is going to be okay. I can step up. I can fail. I'm going to find something positive and I'm going to stand on that. I'm going to move on again. Mm. Maybe try the same thing or try something different. Yeah. Yeah. I read something the other day and it was a, an investment community that I'm following. And if you get an investment wrong once, it's a lesson to learn from. If you get the same investment wrong again, that's a mistake. Yeah. My so father used to say the same thing about dogs, right? Dog bites you once, it, it's the dog's fault. Yeah. If the dog bites you twice, it's your it's fault. It's your fault, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, Craig, I think it's a great time now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round mm. and it's the same five questions I ask of every guest in the lightning round and the idea is you'll share some tips from your experience and inspire the listener to go and do some, something awesome today, really take action. You ready? Yeah, let's try it. All right. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Yeah, I think, again, I could go down the road of caring. To me, it's a never ending for the reasons we talked about. So I'll go ahead and give you another one. And that's, I think, listening. I think we need to listen. I think we need to listen to the, to our customers. I think we need to listen to our staff. We need to listen to our customers who either really like what we're doing or they don't like something about what we're doing or they want something that seems impossible. I think that we often just disregard those. I think we need to listen to our staff when they say this isn't working right. And we're saying, well, I grew up doing it that way. And you're just not tough enough or you just need to do it. You, you need to change. You need to change. You need, no, you need to listen to what they're saying and think, okay, just because we've been doing that way for a hundred years or somebody's been doing it for a hundred ways, maybe there's a different way. And sometimes those are the things that lead to mm. different products and different things. We need to listen to our significant others and our kids because they see what we're doing, mm. even just not in our lives, but in our businesses too, because they have a distant look. And I think perhaps most importantly, we need to listen to ourselves. We need to listen to that little curious voice in the midst of, it's a quiet voice. And there's other loud voices like urgency 
just a tradition and all these other loud voices that are just saying, this is, we just have to do it this way. We just have to do it this way. But when that little voice is saying, you know what? There, I think there's a different way to do that. There might be something better hmm. to pause and know that, hey, I can listen to that and I can stop and consider it. Maybe I can't do it in this moment. Maybe, have to, maybe this time I have to do it the way it's been done. But next time I'm going to think about this a little bit more. There's a little voice that says, there's something might be better here. Yeah, listening is, is really important. The, the self-awareness part, I think, is a big thing there. And I like that you said unmet needs of clients that they might think is impossible. They're the kind of things that are not often spoken out unless you really listen, really actively mm. listen. Because yeah. I've been in conversations where all of a sudden you get to that point and the other person will say, well, that's not possible. And to then not just simply dismiss that, but to explore that some more and say, well, would that be a value? And what value would that add? And then explore that because the moment you can then make that possible, that's a big change, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I, I love the what I heard you doing was asking questions. Mm. And when you said, act, you, we need to really listen, Sometimes it's it's actually asking so they actually will say something that we can listen to. Mm. What could in your wildest dreams, what would be the product that we could give you? Mm. In your wildest dreams, what would it be? Love it sounds question. like we're just yeah. setting it up for for failure, right? Mm. Oh, I'm going to ask them, they're going to tell me and I'm never going to be able to do it. Well, you know what? That's okay, mm. right? And but maybe I'll be able to they'll help me understand how I can really meet their wildest dreams and I can mm. produce something maybe that no one's ever produced before mm. because no one's been no one's had the gumption to actually ask for it. That's right. Yeah. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop ideas? I used to think that I was really a creative individual. I grew up getting a lot of pats on the back for being creative. And as I became an adult in my 20s, I started working for people who actually, with people, and some for people, that were actually creative. They were really good, really brilliant creative individuals. And I went, oh, that's creative. <laughs> and yet, I feel like I've been extremely innovative in the business model that we developed and in products that we made. And that came through persistence, mostly. There's some, I do have some gifts for creativity and in some situations, but I think being persistent and I think that can apply in dozens of different scenarios. Specifically, one example I'm thinking of that led to a significant part of my business was we wanted students to come in the springtime. We had a beautiful property that we were using right on the South Fork of the American California in the springtime. It's gorgeous. The weather is perfect. And we're, we want to work with students and they're not there. And we're going, we got to put, we got to get students to come here and they're in schools. So we set out for private schools and trying to get schools to come. And I was trying everything from different science versions of camps to different whatever I could think of to try to get them to come and use us. We were a pretty unique situation, all outdoors, really rustic and very adventurous, challenging venues. And I was just getting turned down, turned down, turned down, talking to principals and teachers. And no one was interested in the ideas I came up with. And I was talking to this one principal and I was going nowhere again. And I said, well, we're in Coloma, which is where gold was discovered in mm. California. And anyway, I said, what grade studies California history? You know, the gold rush. And she said, oh, fourth grade. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, those are like 10-year-old kids. And that's not us. We work with older kids. Mm. And I threw together a, an idea of a hoedown and going through restored mines and gold panning. And she just lit up. She used to be a fourth grade teacher. She said, could you do that? I said, yeah, sure. And then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, we're doing this program that today, I don't know, we're taking, I don't know, probably 40,000 people or more through a living history program that we called 49er Fun that was really unique at the time. We had no idea that there was a thing that was called a, a living history. I'd never been exposed to that really. It's certainly not the style of what we did. There's a bunch of innovations that were in that program, things that we'd never seen, whether they existed at that time or not. 
so that was the results being persistent. Yeah, yeah, and also listening, uh, having that conversation yeah. and, and picking up on, well, what are the things that will interest the school and the people yeah. you're serving? Yeah, and just and and not saying not accepting no really, <laughs> just like doggone it, no, you're gonna bring your kids here. I just don't know why. So we just need to keep talking about this because yeah, yeah. there's a reason why. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, love it. All right, do you have a favorite resource you use most often? I think the resource that I think I just really it's leaning in to pausing and caring about people, and mm. sometimes. For me, there's a spiritual resource that I turn to that helps me do that uh, and helps me understand people and care about them. Uh, sorry, I'm a broken record <laughs> yeah. on that one, but it, it's the thing. Yeah, it's so it's kind of reflection and checking back on, on your own values in some way. Would that be right? Yeah, that would be a, a more a broader way to put it. And I think that speaks to being ourselves, being who we are, too. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, what's the best way, you know, the, to keep a client on track when you're working with them? I think it sounds like by the way you talk and the way you ask questions that you're a trained coach and <laughs> that you're good at coaching people. I can tell that. And we're trained as coaches to check in on the agenda, right? To make sure that we understand what we're talking about, where we're going. And then as we go along, we check back in that to make sure we're still on track. And I think similarly, that's what we need to do. And specifically, I think we need to check in. Who are we caring about right now? What are we caring about? This is what some people would say, a broader What are we caring about? But I think also we need to remember why are we caring about that thing? There's mm. probably a person that we're caring about and that's why we're working on this thing. And sometimes it's not. Maybe the person's just wanting more money or is there's it's hard to get down to the who. But I think the why is almost always backed up with the who. Who are we caring about? Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. And comes back again to the philosophy of caring. <laughs> but yeah. I think... Working certainly in, in a coaching scenario where you're working with people, with leaders or other business people in that sense that knowing that you care about them and it sets a scene differently for when, for example, you say, well, have you done that thing we agreed on last time? And it's not mm. like this is about to be a wrap over the knuckles. This is like I'm just checking in because we said we were going to have that done by the end of the week. Right. And there was a reason why that was important mm. because you, you cared about something. There was something you, you cared about. Is that different now? Did, yeah. we, did you stop caring about that thing and that or those people in that situation? Otherwise, it's good for me to ask that question. Yeah. Did you do it? Are you doing it? Mm. Yeah. Right. All right. And the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I think that we need to stop trying to be like other people, right? And we spoke to that some in, in that comparison. I think mm. we're trained to try to see ourselves as comparing ourselves to others to try to feel like we're better than them. And that sounds so awful. Probably most of the listeners right now are going, oh, well, that, you're talking about somebody else. That's not really me. Yeah, yeah. The fact is most of us do that without really knowing without how much we it. do it. Yeah. And so... I think dealing that with that motive, identifying it, and leaning into who we really are. And you mentioned core values. Get understanding what your core values are, leaning into those, and not worrying about where that puts you in in the norms of society and the or in your business or any of those things, but letting those things go and just being who you are. And then taking that person and stand on the shoulders of all the other accomplishments mm -hmm. of everyone else. Yeah. Right? Not in an abusive way. There's a quite a fine line that we can navigate, but we have to be really cognizant of where that is. That line between modeling off somebody who we admire and who are aligned with our values, but doing amazing things. And we say, how are they like the photocopier guy? You don't need to be like the photocopier guy to learn from that person. How do you master this copier? 
and that's an opportunity for improvement. At the same time, you can still be yourself. It doesn't mean that you have to take on all the behaviours of somebody else to learn that skill from them. There's an example. I, one of our summertime adventure guides came over into our spring program and was leading these 49er fun programs, these living history gold rush programs. And she had watched a couple of us lead these programs and lead them in difficult. It's actually pretty difficult leadership where you're leading and entertaining adults and children at the same time because there's 50% adults, 50% students. And when it rains, it gets really tough to mm. get people to set up their tents in the rain and not go to a hotel or not leave completely. And so it takes some skilled leadership to manage that situation. And I was noticing that this really good summertime leader was was failing really at this in this situation when it rained she would lose her groups pretty consistently and so it started raining and i went out and found the group and listened to her try to lead this and i heard her leading exactly like the saying the same things that i would say that i've said that worked for me hmm. except and she was trying to say them like i was saying them hmm. and it just wasn't it wasn't working because it wasn't her yeah. She didn't know, she wasn't taking who she is as a leader and customizing it to that new environment. And so she was failing. And as soon as I pointed at that and showed her, she was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Within a week, she was excelling, really embracing her own style of running the trips and doing a great job. Mm. So yeah, I think that's connected to that. Yeah, it's a wonderful example. All right. Well, thanks, Craig. This has been absolutely fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you, the work you're doing, and maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared today? Yeah, I'd love to hear from people at Craig at CraigLomax.com. So that would be, that'd be great. Excellent. That's very simple. And mention, of course, to Craig that you heard him on the Innova Buzz podcast so that he has some context to the conversation. Excellent. All right. Now, Craig, what action would you like the listener to take from today's conversation? Oh, man, I don't think they want to hear me say it again, right? <laughs> I thought I you might say it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think actually I, I will say something different, but it's connected. Mm. And that is the step to caring more about others is actually receiving the care that they have for you being vulnerable, being receptive of that. The gratitude is a really big buzzword right now. It's very popular. Positive psychology has shown that it's got all these powers to it and it's going into a lot of different systems and a lot of different people are recognizing that gratitude is important. What I think gratitude is that receptivity to love, to actually receiving the care that person has that's behind the thing that you're getting. And so Allowing yourself to be receptive of that, focusing on that care and going, yeah, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for that glass of milk, for pouring that glass of milk and bring it like really, I'm not getting super weird about this, but go ahead and let yourself, that person did that thing, maybe because they cared for you yeah. and allowing that care to, to go into your bones. And that gives you more of a capacity to care about others and it, it creates a network you're connected to the network of mm. love if you will without getting too i don't know too out there yeah no i love that it's i think it is very important and sometimes is it's as simple as just saying thank you that's very kind rather than oh you shouldn't have done that because immediately yeah. some people think that's polite to say oh you shouldn't have gone to that trouble but what they're actually saying is i'm not worth it I'm not worth yeah. you going to the trouble. They're telling themselves that unconsciously. And I think simply yeah. to say, thank you. That's really kind of you. And then, of course, there's opportunities then for maybe little things like that, pouring a glass of milk, returning the favor at some stage. And in that case, there's a the corollary to that is where the other person says thank you and you say, oh, don't mention it. It's not a big deal. Instead of that, yeah. just say you're welcome. Yeah. And we can do these things on all kinds of level. You can be driving across a bridge that you appreciate, mm. right? And I think a lot of us go, wow, this is cool. Back in the day, it used to take people days to go around and yeah. get around this canyon well, or whatever. And I'm just, for a ferry I, or take something. Me, 
Yeah, yeah, I got five minutes, right? 80 miles an hour. And however, I think it's also good on occasion to pause and think about the people. And I'm quite certain that at least some of the people involved with the project of building that bridge cared about the future people that would be driving across it. Hmm. And that's me. They actually cared about me. They didn't know me, but they did something yeah. for me because they wanted my life to be better. Hmm. And and they did that sincerely. Some of the it might have been the engineers. It might have been the people with the big money. It might have been the workers. There were some of those people who actually were excited to do this for me. Hmm. And I need to go. And so I'm better if I allow myself to receive that love and to go, yeah, that's cool. Thanks, guys. Hmm. Thank you. Thanks for doing that. And I know you've been dead a long time, but that was cool. <laughs> and and especially I think that's important when we're looking at when we're involved with projects like that or things like that are far reaching that are out mm. there. The more that we're connected to the style of love that we're giving people, we, we can look and appreciate that, too. Mm. So. Yeah, it's not just a thing. It's something we're leaving for future generations. Mm. Great message. Right. All right, finally, Craig, who else should I get on the show and why? I think Luke Fox is, he's an innovative thinker. He's a, he's a young guy who's making a dent in the world. He's innovated stuff around, he started a company called the White Fox Defense and he's a leader in the drone industry. So thanks for that and thanks for sharing your insights so generously today and caring enough to join us on the show and caring about all the people that are going to be listening to this. So I really appreciate you taking the time. I really enjoyed our conversation. Lots of gold nuggets contained in it and I'm really looking forward to sharing it with my audience. So thanks and please do stay in touch. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be here. Really loved it. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and informative conversation with Craig and took something away from his episode. The step to caring more about others is to allow yourself to be receptive to care from them. It gives you more capacity to care for others. Practice appreciation. So, next time someone does something for you, and even if it's only pouring a glass of water or something little like that, just say thank you and be really grateful that they care enough about you to do that for you and know that you are worth it. On the other hand, when someone thanks you for doing something, don't belittle that act, that thing that you've done for them by saying something like, no problem. Instead, say, you are most welcome. Craig's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Craig Lomax. That is C-R-A-I-G-L-O-M-A-X. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Craig Lomax. There you'll also find contact information for getting in touch with Craig, as well as links to his website, his social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about today in our conversation. Now, if you've listened this far into the show, and you've enjoyed the show, and why wouldn't you have enjoyed this one? I've got a challenge for you. Go ahead and share it with another person that you think it would be useful to as well, or many other people if you think it would be useful to many. You'll be doing them a favour, believe me. And in the other 530 or so episodes, there's bound to be one or more that you haven't heard yet. Go and check that one out. Tell me which one you picked on LinkedIn. And most importantly, what was the action you took as a result? And I hope you can do that between now and our next published episode. Craig suggested that we have a conversation with Luke Fox, founder and CEO of White Fox Defense, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So, Luke, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Craig Lomax. Mm-hmm.
Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you, a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.